Once again, we're stuck in a multi-part series where each episode just progressively gets worse than the last. Today, we're going to start talking about just how bad Nexium gets. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. It doesn't take a genius to find out Keith Rainier is an absolute creep. Hey guys, welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I'm Lena. And I'm Kylie. All right. Whoo. Whoo. Okay, so can we talk about something? Which, Barbie or Oppenheimer? Okay, well. Okay, <laughs> I, let's put neither. a pin in that one. No, let's put a pin in that one because I really want to talk about this. So did you see the the plain lady, you know, um, trending on TikTok? The plain lady? You haven't seen the plain lady? We have lady? very different TikToks and you know this. You're still on true crime TikTok. Don't lie to me. No, I'm not. I literally don't have anything true crime oh, on mine. No. <laughs> you might have to look this up and <laughs> then we can resume. So basically, there's this video that was trending of this woman who said the whole issue with it trending was that she said while she's on a plane, getting off of the plane because she was terrified that that man's not real. That's what she said. And everyone, of course, like went insane, like, okay, she was drinking before the plane, all of these things. And uh, it turns out that the guy next to her, as soon as either she sat down or he sat down, but basically um, said, I'm going to bring the plane down. Okay. And we don't take that lightly here. Okay. We we don't take that lightly here. Um, So everybody had to. Is it deboard? Deboard the plane, um, and it took two hours to inspect, and there was something on the plane. Hmm. Isn't that insane? Everyone thought that she was just crazy, drunk, on drugs, whatever. But she probably saved what? How many people can get on a plane? Like two hundred something? Yeah, at least. Yeah, you saved that many people. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really surprised you Kylie saved that in the vault, guys, because <laughs> from the moment I got in this house, like 30 minutes ago till now, we have been talking about Harry Styles. And by we, I mean me. Only you. <laughs> me have been talking about Harry Styles because this is his last show tonight. So I have talked about Harry Styles and his new music video and his last show for 30 minutes straight. And then we start recording and she goes, so I have something to say. <laughs> and she whips that out. Okay. Yeah, I was ready. I was ready for it. I was thinking about it all all week. That's pretty wild. <laughs> I did send it to you on TikTok, too. Um, but you turned those notifications off. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any notifications on. She heard about that, too. I made a Harry Styles TikTok, and that that made me turn off my notifications. <laughs> um, okay, but Oppenheimer and... Op. Oppenheimer? Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Okay, so have you ever been to an IMAX movie? Yeah. Okay, I've never been. I've been to IMAX and 40X. So... I don't know how I feel about that one. We're going to go see the Gran Turismo movie in 40X. Very excited. Okay, that would be really cool. Also learned I've been... Well, I haven't. Well, I have. Well, okay. <laughs> in the movie, the brand of cars they use is the same brand of car I have, uh-huh. right? And, like, mm-hmm. I pronounce it the American way, and I did not realize there's, Nissan. like... Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Well, So if now you watched... I jokingly call it a Nissan car. Yep. Yep. We called it a Nissan uh, when Corey had a 370. 
Yeah, and so I've been jokingly being like, so me and my Nissan are going to go see <laughs> the Gran Turismo movie so that Nissan can feel special. In 40X, maybe Nissan can get a ticket too. Yeah, if you watched um, any like Grand Tour, the the show Grand Tour, they're, mm-hmm. they are British speaking and they will say Nissan. Um, <laughs> Orlando like, Bloom's seen some better days. He's getting really? older. It's weird. Oh, yeah, he is. He is uh, quite a bit older. Crazy. Um, but yeah, so so that I know you're going to go see Oppenheimer and IMAX. We're not. We're just seeing it tomorrow in regular. But we saw well, I don't want to see it in IMAX. I feel like it's going to ruin my life in <laughs> IMAX. But my grandpa wanted to see it and it's for his birthday. That's so nice, yeah, all the way two hours away. It's fine. We're fine. So we're doing we did. We're doing Oppenheimer tomorrow, which would be Sunday. We're doing Barbie today. World. And then we did Barbie on Thursday because we had the like early release tickets. Mm-hmm. And without giving anything away, I will say that that movie is going to be nominated for so many awards because it is genuinely amazing. I love the script. I writing, love all of the cast. Like The casting is so perfect. The yeah. script writing. There are small things that people have been hating on, like the fact that one of the Barbies is a uh, trans uh, actress. Well, you can get over it. Um, she's fucking phenomenal. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she's so good can, in the movie. If you don't like that, you can, you can just Everyone see yourself in the movie's out. funny. Everyone's great. I laughed out loud, which I do not do that often. I got teary eyed during the sad parts. Ryan Gosling is incredible. He's oh my God. Such a good, like he, no one could have done that role. Can but you him. imagine like thinking of this man from like the notebook and then moving forward through. I can't even think of the drive to now or like, yeah, it's so crazy. He has a, he's a good actor, but he's really good as Ken. Like Margot Robbie, there's this one scene at the end. I can't say anything, but it's the funniest thing. The, I love the, Margot. The, the voice at the end is very funny. And like, that'll make sense when you see it. Honestly, I cannot stand Will Ferrell, but holy shit, he did really good. Like I like Will Ferrell. The, the everything, the, the, there's so much attention to detail. All the Barbies come back. Midge is in it. Skipper's in it. Like, it's incredible. So I'm done. I'm just going to say that was definitely so far. Um, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb. Best movie of 2023 I've seen so far. Is it in your top five now? No. Ooh, uh, it Ooh. might be number four, but it's <laughs> okay. it's it's in there. It's it's in there. I'm going to real quick look at my movie list for one second. And I'm just going to make sure that it is... Definitely I really need you to see there. Asteroid City because I need to talk Asteroid about City. it. Oh, yeah. We talked about that one last time. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched as many movies this year as I do every year. Normally, I try to. Oh, <laughs> I drank so much pop earlier. <laughs> I, I drank a whole fuck or not pop a monster on the way here. So I'm going to be oh, like burping yep, every two seconds because I have so much carbonation in me. <laughs> every year I try to hit over 100 movies and this year I might not. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was really good. I haven't seen it yet. I don't count all those voices as a movie because it was a documentary. Mm, I don't know. I would say. Oh, one of the screen movies came out this year. Um, yeah. Okay. I would say my so far movie of the year. Is a two way tie between. Between Barbie movie and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay, Spider-Man was amazing, but they're very different things. Mm-hmm. And then if I had to pick a third movie, I would pick the Super Mario movie. I still haven't seen that one either. It was really good, I think. Although I made a fool of myself asking questions. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. We went so, over that. Book. Yeah, but we did. We're like four. We four don't need to remind. <laughs> yeah. Don't even look in the archives for that one. Just don't, don't listen. Don't, <laughs> don't go do find it. it. <laughs> um, I don't think I have anything else really. Um, there's been a lot of wild shit happening in the world, like all the landslides and the weather things and stuff like that, if you didn't know, but I don't want to do all that because this is a long episode already. Yeah. So sometime else we could talk about it and catch up about it, but. Okay. Yeah, I actually, I didn't know that. I still, I still very much do live under a rock. Yeah. It's been, it's been a wild world, wild, wild world this year, 2023. Whew. Just for a little update on what we talked about at the end of last episode. Oh no, I do that. What? I do that. I, I give a. A recap at the beginning. What? <laughs> oh, no, I was just talking about the episode. You're talking about like no. things we as humans talked about personally. Right. Kylie and Thena. Yes. Fuck me up. Go for <laughs> it. Fuck me up. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> so I've been working my little heart out on this uh, on this discord. So it's going to be coming out soon. Um, I'm excited for it. Are you excited for it? I'm learning so many things. <laughs> I'm 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 here. I got I'm, here. <sighs> I'm so bad at notifications, you guys. I'm getting oh, I better. Am t- I am too. That's that's why the Facebook doesn't work. My goal of 2023 was to never let my phone get over 55 notifications anymore. How's that? How's that going? I'm staying at a solid like between 40 and 70. Yeah, my notifications <laughs> like you know the little like scrolly thingy of notifications at the beginning of your of Yeah, your, I turned yeah. that off. I need to turn that off because it drives me insane. I turn it off like all the time. I just put it on the not do not disturb, but the other one. Um, and I also a sleep mode. I put my phone on sleep mode all the time and I turned off like all the little like box notifications and everything for so many apps because I just <laughs> I just can't. I have so many things muted. You can't stand the little little red dot. No, it just reminds me that I'm ignoring everyone. <laughs> Not in a mean way. I just have anxiety, guys. It's not on purpose. I finally did what Kylie told me to do like two years ago. What? <laughs> I bought a fidget ring. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm I'm wearing it. Can you see it? It's right there. I see it. It's like, oh, okay, guys, I'm going to explain it. It's, oh, wait, I just saw this one It's before. three rings. Yeah. And so you stack them, and when you slide it on, you can like roll them back and forth, and it creates different patterns. It's so fun. Love it. Love it. That's fun. And it it like because it also has a feeling as it's rolling. Mm -hmm. It makes me calmer at the same time. Like it just doesn't keep me busy. It calms me at the same time because I'm like focusing on that feeling on my hands. Well, I think it's it's almost like this type of situation, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Which I do a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The grinding of fingers to feel texture, I guess, is the best way to describe what she just did. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we should start. Let's get into part two. Okay, part two. Join the Discord is what she was about to say. Yeah, I, join the Discord. I fucked up. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, don't join the Discord because we, well, yeah, we haven't released it yet. <laughs> don't do that. It is public. Think about the Discord. <laughs> Think about joining it. We're just implementing Think the idea into it. your brain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. In part one of the Nexium series, we talked about Keith Ranieri. I say Ranieri. She said Rainier. I don't know which is correct. Oh, I just, yeah, I did realize that. In his earlier life, it was filled with a lot of pedophilia tendencies and MLMs. I'm calling them tendencies because a lot of them technically at that point. Now we know they're true. But at that point, we were like, oh, maybe maybe it's just talk. 
no, no, he's fucked up. He was doing them, but we don't know that because the court documents hadn't came out at this point. So like, let's pretend we don't know. Oh, we don't know if Keith's a douchebag. <laughs> we <dumb>. don't know. <laughs> so we left off where he had ended his relationship with Tony Nata- Natalia. Tony, Natalie. Maybe it is Natalia. Nata- Natalie. Nat- no, it's Natalie. It's got to be Natalie. I watched so many documentaries and I can't remember anyone's names. (laughs) That word is Natalie. (laughs) Well, yeah, but Natalie isn't a last name. That's a first name. I have a last name for a first name for half my life and I hate that. So uh, he ended things with Tony and he began a new one with Nancy Salzman. I call her Salamander behind her back. You said I have a last name for a first name for a long time of my life and I hate that. I did. No, a last name for a first name? You I mean a first name for a last name? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, a first name for a last name. Uh, oh, Hi, Shero. Oh, he's yeah. close. He said, I'm in the house, guys. I'm, I'm right in here. the house, guys. <laughs> so, guys, I brought my dog over to meet Corey and Kylie. Corey's not my dog. Kylie hadn't yet. Um, so I brought my dog over to meet them. And my dog spent the entire time trying to hump Kylie's dog. It was so embarrassing. Also, <laughs> Cowboy had never seen stairs. <laughs> oh, my God. He didn't know how to get up and down the stairs. And Saber kept trying to show him being like, follow me if you want to hump me. <laughs> and he's like, I, I cannot do that. But woman. then once he got it, he just continued to hump. Oh, yeah. He then got upstairs. And he's like, I'll just wait up here for you to keep coming back for me to hump you. And she's like, OK, I'll come on over. I'm actually really surprised I didn't have to, like, incentivize with treats. But I was just, like, guiding him up. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, this isn't bad. Like, yeah, it's not bad. You're fine. He's a a little bit of a pussy. Let's be honest. (laughs) Like everyone meets him and they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to pet him. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. He doesn't want it and you don't want it. Trust (laughs) me. He doesn't want it. He's going to act so scared and then you're going to feel really bad. And then it's just a bad time for everyone. Just don't pet him. Let him spend 10 minutes to come to you. You don't come to him. He doesn't do that. That's okay. We still love him. He's cute. He's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He's me. (laughs) Um, I was going to say that's accurate. And then you're like, he's me. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, so he ends things with Tony. He begins things with Nancy. While this relationship is blossoming, um, they begin this new program, another MLM. It's was called ESP, which stands for Executive Success Programs. That was around 1998. We then began talking about the outline of ESP, like the classes, which were called um incentives or whatever was that what they're called incentives i feel like that's right you would know more than me (sighs) for some reason (laughs) it's the only thing i can't remember because it's just the stupidest thing just call it a fucking class or like a course whatever i'm gonna call it an incentive and that's probably wrong so correct me um i also talk about like the sashes they have to wear and how expensive it is things like that it so, is really expensive. Mm-hmm. I would and have just been like, like, you're hilarious. That's actually the now. beginning of things. No, oh, I know. Yeah. So let's resume the conversation. Dive on in. Okay. So once you start ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> you got sports on the brain. <laughs> and the way that I couldn't stop it, even though you're I just tried. ESPN, no, you know. <laughs> Like rolled out. I'm like, no, come back in there, buddy. <laughs> no, come back in there, buddy. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh god, that was amazing. <laughs> okay, you want to try again? Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. So once you start these sports courses, (laughs) (laughs) executive success programs and more. (laughs) Okay. Once you start ESP, (laughs) that's the end of the sentence. You begin the courses that we talked about. Now, executive success program had a 12 point mission statement and it was read aloud before the beginning of each session. I'm not going to read it. It, You can. That's insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole thing. Like, if I would have tried to put it in the outline, it took me, like, three pages. Like, That's it, insane. It you were taught who was in charge. <clears throat> and obviously, Keith and Nancy were, like, the head honchos. To the point where... This is going to sound kind of culty, which is, like, weird, right? But, like, they gave themselves <laughs> nicknames. So he was called Vanguard. Yeah, if that's not a cult, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and she was called Prefect. And it's so funny because I watched a... I watched and listened to other things like once I was done writing the outline, because like, you know, I always just want to see if there's something big I should have put in that I should Google up, that I should look into something like that I missed somewhere. And it was so funny because two of the ones I listened to instantly when I heard those nicknames, I knew what Vanguard and Prefect were because I have a friend that's a retro video gamer. So I knew what Vanguard is. And then I knew what a Prefect is because of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And both the people that were doing these podcasts were like, I don't know what the fuck a prefect is. And I was like, ah, have you never watched <laughs> Harry Potter? One of the Weasley siblings was a prefect. <laughs> one, of, one of the Weasley. <laughs> I was so angry. <clears throat> but I'll explain it to you guys. So Vanguard came from the Vanguard video game. It was a scrolling shooter space arcade video game back in like the 80s. And he's a fucking dweeb, so of course he picked that as the name. <laughs> right. Like, you fucking, you fucking idiot, bro. And it's not even, like, a really famous game. It's, like, super, like, one shot out there and stuff. Like, you, that'd be, like, me being, like, I'm going to name myself after a famous book series that is filled with things that are out of this planet, like wizards and magicians and dragons and cool things. And people would be, like, oh, are you going to be named after something from uh, our R. Martin, whatever his name is, book like a house dragon. I'll be like, no. And they're like, Harry Potter, no, Twilight, no. I'm going to call myself Fablehaven because no one fucking knows that book series. Like, no, don't be a douchebag. Come on, just fucking <laughs> pick a normal one. Call yourself Twilight. <sighs> so his, so he specifically chose this name from the video game? Yes, because he's a fucking douchebag. Okay. Yeah. But that's not what Vanguard means. It, no, it just means to be a video game. No, <laughs> like it, 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 it wasn't a word before that. The video game created the word. Yeah. Like no, it's, no, 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 no. It's a group of people leading the way in new developments <gasps> or ideas. What? Yeah. <clears throat> it's the definition. That's pretty cool. There are vanguards in other video games. OK, well, that's why he picked it. So he's stupid. And I doubt he knew that. Fuck Probably. <laughs> and then a prefect is the name of a like a senior or like a upperclassman type person, mm-hmm. essentially in a British school. And they're the kids that enforce discipline to like other kids. So like they're like the uh, brown nosing teacher assistant. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So the whole system was a pyramid huh. of hierarchy. <clears throat> Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy? I mentioned it in the previous episode, how you were supposed to recruit people to get into this. And that's also how you would like move up because you have to move up throughout this sash system because remember there was different colors and then there was also like marks on them and stuff. And like, that's how you know when you're becoming a higher member in the group. Now, when you get into the ESP course, you also have to sign an NDA 
non-disclosure agreement, like for those that don't know what that is, you know something shady starting already. Yeah, absolutely. If I have to if I have to sign an NDA for something that's just completely normal and not a scam, seems like a scam. Like, uh God damn it. <laughs> so in this one episode of It's Always Sunny. God damn it. <laughs> no. There's this uh part where they all go to this crazy gym. I think this is It's Always Sunny, or maybe I'm making this up from a different show. <laughs> I swear it's It's Always Sunny because I you think just it's D that does think it. think it is. Well, they go to this gym and they have to sign an NDA to go to the gym. And then they go to these like in lifting courses or whatever they call them. And you find out it's because they're in a pyramid scheme and they're right. like in a cult. OK, obviously. And they're like, why else would we sign this? Like, you know, it's a cult if they make you sign an NDA, because the only two things that scream NDA is if you're trying to hook up with a celebrity or if you're joining a cult. Those are the only two reasons you sign NDAs. And I was like, yeah, actually, yeah. Like, I can't think of another, like, really logical reason people sign NDAs. Like, well, I mean, company, company NDAs. But I feel like those are protections. Like, that's yeah, a protection <laughs> order sometimes and stuff. Like, it doesn't always, it's not even called an NDA half the time these days. It has, like, a stronger word. And I can't think oh. of what it is because I looked this up. Like, if you know the secret recipe to the secret sauce, you're going to sign an NDA so that you cannot give it to anybody mm-hmm. else legally. And if you did, then they could take legal action against you. Yeah. But if you just want to hook up with Harry Styles, you sign an NDA. Did you Sounds like-, like a lot of paperwork. I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that you would do it. I would do it with Ashton Kutcher. So sorry, Corey. Sorry, Marty. Um, We love you guys. <laughs> so you sign this NDA. And then you are told who you can and can't talk to. Sounds about right. And one of the things is you can't talk to people outside the group, obviously. But like, it's not even just that. Who you're allowed to fraternize with inside the group is based on the color sashes and like the marks. Like if you're like the lower colored sash, you can't talk to a, a upper sash color. That things like that sounds racist. (laughs) It sounds very culty. Yeah. (laughs) You had to remove your shoes during the course and you would like start chanting and doing ritualistic type things when you get there. All right. But if I had a cult, if I was a cult leader, that would be one of my things. You have to remove your shoes. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Especially because like with socks, please. I'm sure that in the commune, they're not hiring outside cleaning services. So they're, you know, forcing everyone to clean there and you don't want to do more cleaning. So yeah, everyone take your fucking shoes off right now. Oh, it's just not about cleaning. It's just about being comfortable. I hate shoes. <laughs> okay, moving on. I, if I had a cult, I would enforce a dress code also of like, we're all going to wear yoga pants and like baggy shirts. Hell yeah. Every day. <laughs> like, that's my big rule. <laughs> Please, everyone be comfortable all the time. All the time. We don't do this whole dressing up thing. No. If someone new came into the room, you have to bow or like shake hands and... <laughs> There's levels of how you have to shake hands based on your sashes. Oh my God, no. (laughs) So like if you're like a really low class, you have to like bow to them and like embrace their whole hand, putting your hand on bottom and on top or something like that. And like, like, like sandwiching their hand, like you aren't even allowed to just like shake their hand like a normal like businessman shake until you're like, it's like the peasant levelism. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you're a peasant to a queen. You're literally like bowing to them. Yeah. If you greeted Vanguard, aka Keith, you had to kiss him on the mouth. Gross. Yep. Every single time. Yeah. So, you know, he's just like getting it with anyone <laughs> at this point. But we'll we'll get more into that. But, you, you know, he's getting jiggy. <clears throat> yeah. 
while in these courses, you sometimes had to deal with up to a 15 to 17 hour day where you were monitored on who you couldn't, couldn't talk to, you were cut off from the world, like all this kind of stuff. So keep in mind, you're also probably losing your sanity. Yeah, maybe the higher ranking members of the organization would live together in commune like housing and they would sometimes instruct the classes and sessions and they were like the ones with the specialty sashes and stuff. They were called the proctors and stuff like that. Keith was hailed as literally they treated him like a god. Right. They acted like he was everything, which don't forget everyone thinks he's a genius. So that doesn't like help this whole inflated ego thing that he has going on here. Keith claimed his courses, these incentive things, could do amazing things. <clears throat> what could they do? Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> you could overcome anxiety. Wow. Your phobias. That would be really nice. He could heal medical conditions like OCD and Tourette's. Yep. Interesting. Just by coming in these courses. So I'm glad he doesn't think too highly of himself. Otherwise, this would be weird. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> behind your breath (laughs) (laughs) so part of what built the idea of esp was that there were two types of people in the world there's parasites and producers in the workshop there were these promotional sheets that like had rules on them and like taught you about what you learn in esp and in one of them it said there's a pledge to purge yourself of your parasites and all your envy based habits to stop feeding off the independent producers of the world because the parasites are like the lower people in the world that have things wrong with them. And producers are like out there with their maximum like self producing things. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they're the ones that are going far in life. They're the people that are millionaires and like successful and stuff like that. And everyone else is a parasite. So if you rid yourself of your parasites, you can become a producer and you can only rid yourself of parasite by coming to these courses and stuff. I don't know. This is starting to sound really Scientology. Yeah. Very engrams and like, yes, doing all that. It does. It does sound a little bit Scientology. Well, it's going to get more Scientology. (laughs) (laughs) The ESP courses required new members to undergo things called EMs, which was called an exploration of meaning. The process would push the students to assess their painful memories and traumatic experiences that they've had in the past. Mm. And then they were supposed to decrease the negative long term effects these memories have by rehashing them out. Yep. 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 So there's L. Ron Hubbard and Ingram. Like, there it is. <laughs> there it is. He said, that seemed to work. That that cult's still going strong. Let's take it. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Keith said that if you go through enough EMs, you can be coached into getting rid entirely of your negative emotions and memories, and you can become independent and an enlightened person. Now, let's say <clears throat> you start going through this program, and halfway through, you're like, it's not working. They would be like, you know why it's not working? You need to do more EMs. And you're like, oh, okay, you're right. <laughs> or if you're like, this seems fake. I have questions. They're like, you know what would solve your questions? EMs. Some EMs. Right. I want to leave. You want to leave? Before you leave, you should do some more EMs because you want to make sure it doesn't work. So literally, the solution, the solution is the to everything is EMs. <laughs> yeah. If you want to question anything shady happening or you want to question Vanguard, go to an EM. So you're not going to get any answers, obviously, at this point. No. Now, how did this like fully become a pyramid scheme? Because like in pyramid schemes, you always think of like the top getting the money and then it like just barely trickling down. But those lower tricklers think that they're going to move up and get that big cash flow. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, because you think there's a chance for a payout. 
And there is. It's based on who you bring into the group. So you have to recruit others in this group. And once you become a proctor, you're able to get paid for bringing recruits into the program. So once you go through, you know, these bajillion courses and spend so much money, you can get small payouts for bringing in new people. So how how much is an EM? Do you have to pay each time you go through? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So see, yeah, you have the chance to make money. How would you not question that? After like, I'm questioning you. Spent, you. Okay, like, go go do an EM. No, I'm questioning you. <laughs> it's it's money. Why? I'm questioning that part. I don't want to go to an EM because I'm questioning that part. Well, you know how it'll be solved? Going to an, an EM. EM. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it it's really like a really bad circle. Yeah. I... I, I, I don't I don't know how anyone did it. OK, whatever, whatever. You can't say you don't know how people get. No, no, I, and stuff. Yeah. I know because they do prey on weak people that are going through a lot and stuff. And it is hard when you're going through a lot like people make dumb choices. I would have I would have fallen for this type of thing in my marriage, <clears throat> especially back then when there's less social media, there's less Internet. You're looking for that acceptance. At least nowadays you could go to a therapy session. You could go to an online one if you're too scared. Back then you want to go to a therapy session. You have to go in person. Well, mm-hmm. what better than going with this big group of people where it looks like everyone's having all these same like issues thriving. and getting better. Yeah. And all these things are. Yeah, I I see it. I, I get it. Yeah, I see older cults. It's once cults hit like. 2000, I'm like, no. Now I just, I think you're an idiot, which this will get to that point. But by then you're already trapped. So I I can't say much. Right. Now, you, I know you know this, but I'm going to just, I'm going to say, hey guys, most of these women in this cult are Keith's girlfriends, conquests, and like sexual partners. Like, I know Mm. that's shocking. It's super shocking. Right. Keith seems like such a stand up guy. Mm -hmm. However. I'm going to talk about a few of them because the crazy part about this is Keith is openly telling everyone that he's celibate. He doesn't have relationships (laughs) and he doesn't have sex at all. Okay. Well, it's going to be real funny when he pops a baby out because that's that's going to be a funny one. So let's find out. Right. (laughs) He's currently sleeping with the roommates that I mentioned in the last episode, which was Pam Kafritz, Kristen Keefe and Karen Unterweiner. He's also sleeping with a woman named Barbara Bushi. I've also heard it pronounced Boucher. I think I'm going to go with Boucher. I would say Boucher. Yeah. But, yeah. We'll discuss her a lot. Just wait. Uh, Nancy Salzman, the salamander. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, Nancy's daughter, Lauren. Is Nancy aware? Yes. Is Lauren aware? Yes. That's not great. No, nope, yeah. don't like that. I mean, at first it didn't seem like they were, but they do obviously know it. In the, uh, yeah. Mm, okay. Now. Keith would tell his members that if they did have sex with him, it's considered an energy exchange. Oh my God. And because he wanted that energy exchanged, he didn't use protection. Right. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and then women were ending up pregnant, but he didn't want a bunch of babies running around. That would be weird. So he would have them all go get abortions, which we'll also bring up again later. Like kind of we have to go back and forth in this episode a lot, but it'll all hopefully make sense in the end. Keith would tell women that abortions were good for you because they help you lose weight. I mean, 
Sure. <laughs> I mean, the You're not is wrong. The, okay. <laughs> but fuck you. <laughs> and Keith has a weird fascination with like skinny, 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 skinniness. Yeah. And I'm not talking like, oh, he likes his girls to like be fit. No. Like unhealthy he skinny. He wants to be able to count their ribs Ew. and be de- like look sickly. So Sounds you could always great. tell when someone is one of the girls he's with because they would start losing weight. They would start look, looking sick and pale and ill and they're, they would just not look very good. Now, as the cult was growing, there were a lot of new locations for recruitment centers that were spanning across the U.S., but also in Mexico. And in Mexico, Keith's following was like really well known because at this point, the daughter of the president of Mexico and the son of the former president both joined Nexium. Wow. Those are pretty big names. That's like if yeah. Prince Harry would have joined like a cult. Everyone would hear about it. Right. Like, it's just a thing. Also, some affluent members from the U.S. started joining. People that had a lot of money or people that kind of had like well-known names. Um, One of them I mentioned was Barbara Boucher. So that's one of the women he was sleeping with. To us, it doesn't sound like a name that we should know, but like. People in Forbes know who she is, so I'm an explainer. Okay. She was a self-made millionaire, and she was a financial advisor, and she was brought into the cult by Nancy the Salamander, and she started having therapy sessions with Nancy because Barbara was having a really tough time in her life. She was actively going through a divorce, and her best friend had just committed suicide. That's hard. It's very hard. Um, okay, I'll. Mm, this is a little late. I'm going to do it now. Today's episode features a lot of talk about pedophilia, um, about rape, and about um, um, suicide. So just keep that in mind, guys. I don't go into heavy details about any of it, but I do mention all three of those topics at least five to ten times at least. So just keep that in mind going from here. If you're listening in front of kids, which I always say you should never do, but for some reason, if you're feeling like Nexium is the one you can, please don't. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do Put that. Put your headphones in right now. I'll give you two seconds. One, two. All right. <laughs> you headphoning? Okay, let's continue. Are you headphoning? Now, Barbara was in a really vulnerable place. So that's how she joined up. She was suggested she should attend one of Keith's self-help workshops And when she did, she found the curriculum to be profound and life-changing, she said. After about six months of being in the group, Barbara and Keith started to have a relationship together. Keith convinced Barbara to invest her own personal money into a commodity account for commodity tradings with him. And in time, she ended up losing $1.6 million because of it. Jesus. I didn't totally know what commodity tradings is. I assumed it's exactly as the name describes. It is. Okay. It's it's stock trading Mm -hmm. for smaller items i guess other than like stocks like actual i that's the best way to describe it i'm gonna leave it at that yeah you can make money off it it is totally possible if you're not stupid and keith is the stupidest smart person probably on this planet probably barbara thought that she and keith were in a committed monogamous relationship for nearly a year how, how, I how, would she, no how, idea. how would she think that if he was telling everyone that he's celibate first I, off? Well, and just because I he doesn't seem like he gets away with things. Like, 
Seriously, There's no. nothing that could have ever made me think this man is monogamous. Well, actually, I couldn't even think anyone would want to sleep with him. Have you seen him, guys? I wonder if that's why there was that whole rule where you, if you were a hire, you couldn't talk to anybody. Hmm. Maybe. So she then started finding out he's obviously involved with the other women in the inner circle. And like, wouldn't you notice that like his inner circle is almost all women? Like that would tip me off. I'd be like, "Mm, something shady. It's a little sus. Always sus. And the fact that all the women aren't being catty makes me think even worse because women are a little catty by nature. Oh, yeah. But if they're all thinking he's celibate and then thinking they're the one person getting to sleep with him, they're not going to spill the beans. Yeah. So the fact they're going to play nice, I would think that there is definitely something more than because they're all trying to walk on eggshells all the time. And it's natural for women to argue a little bit because it's I mean, that sounds mean. And I know that sounds kind of toxic, but. If you're raised with sisters, you get it like I. Oh, sorry, Kylie. (laughs) Kylie's an only child, guys. It's just (laughs) natural human behavior because women are so alike and you have a lot of similar thought patterns and stuff of logistic reasoning, I feel like. Well, still like. And so you're going to you're going to like liars. So if he's like, I'm celibate and I was sleeping with him, I'd be like, you're not fucking celibate. But also. You think he's a god. Yeah. And you are like in deep at this point because you're a higher ranking and stuff. So I wonder how easy it is to break that. He would probably just be like, well, here's the reasoning why. And he'd make something wild up. And yeah. Be like, well, now I feel guilty. Just like Because I'm sure you. he's the one that would make you feel guilty for even going against his thoughts. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, Barbara remained silent about her experiences at Nexium for a really long time after she left because she started facing a lot of harassment from people that were still in the group. Also, she had a barrage of lawsuits that came at her hard, which again, hmm, similar Tony. Mm-hmm. They were used to try to keep her quiet. And then she started getting arrested on false charges. Hmm, Tony. Yep. Her and Tony should be in a group together. Now, this wasn't the only big named person that he used slash that like joined the cult. And these bigger names become really important for Keith because they help like set the groundwork. Kind of like I'm just hypothetically thinking like I'm not bringing any real cults into this. But hypothetically, if Scientology was a cult, let's say Tom Cruise, Mm -hmm. John Travolta, Christy Allen, like, hmm. okay, all right. Just making connections here. (laughs) but that's not a cult. So these next two women, Claire and Sarah Brothman, Bronfman, Brothman. That's a hard word. Okay. I've heard, I've heard everyone say Brothman. So I'm wondering if I typed it wrong, but I thought I copied her name. Exactly. Is the end silent? I don't know. Bronfman, Bronfman, Bronfman. No, oh my gosh. You definitely spelled it I right. I spell it that same way every single time. So I'm pretty sure the name is Bronfman, but I've heard most people say Brothman. So maybe the N is silent. I should have done. I, oh, I should have listened more on the names. I hear these names and then I think that I say them. And so I'm like, well, I know it now, but that doesn't mean I know it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not at all. Me either. They could say it like 30 times and then I'm still going to say it differently than how they did. They'll be like, her name was Claire. Her name was Claire. Her name was Claire. And I'll be like, so Cecilia. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's her name. Yep. All right. Claire and Sarah B. 
enrolled <laughs> in classes in 2002. These are two of the daughters of the late billionaire Edgar Bronfman, who owns Seagram Alcohol. Oh. Yeah. So they got money in the bank. Now, there's this man named Peter Skolnick. He's an attorney who fought against Nexium, and he estimated back, like, when all this was happening, that Claire used about $50 million of her fortune towards suing Nexium's enemies. Just, like, give you some little insights. Okay. And, um... And they consider enemies pretty much anyone that leaves the organization or anyone that speaks out. Claire also paid for Keith's private air travel a lot of time. And Forbes reported, like Forbes magazine reported that Claire Broffman hired 50 to 60 lawyers from 30 different law firms to pursue cases against Nexium critics over the course of 15 years. So she's spending. Now, it's crazier because Sarah was the one that was actually initially hooked in the group and Claire was like, not about it. She's like, I don't believe it. It seems fake. It doesn't seem real. So she had to convince Claire to like start coming. And then Claire started having these one-on-one meetings with Keith before she joined. And then in the end, supposedly Claire fell in love with Keith and all of a sudden was like this huge believer. And there was also this like underlying issue that Claire was really jealous of Sarah. And that'll come back to bite her in the ass. Okay. While still in the beginning stages of ESP, there were a lot of money issues that needed to be addressed. The biggest one was taxes and collections because cult leaders don't like those things. They think they're optional. Like, <laughs> like they're not. Just thought I'd let you know. Like every cult leader ever. Oh, I have to pay taxes. It's a religion. It's a religion. No taxes for me, actually. Like every single one, you notice? Yeah. Um, well, he couldn't do that. Because it wasn't based on a religion. It was based on self-help and self-help isn't considered a religion. So Keith had to find a way to pay for taxes. So he created a blanket organization in 2003 and he named it Nexium. So that's te- technically when Nexium like is birthed because at this point it's still ESP all this time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But ESP slowly transitions into Nexium and Nexium is what's the fucked up thing. ESP sucks and it's an asshole like corporation that steals your money. But that's really like the bigger part of it. ESP was more about stealing your money. Nexium is about the sex cult that it is. Like they kind of are a little different, except for Keith is in both of them and he's a fucked up person. Like if that makes sense. So he's the common denominator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him and his lust for sex, even though he's celibate supposedly. Right. Nexium right away began having all these complications and like, I'm using the term complication lately. They're fucked up scenarios, but like, you know, they're just little complications that Keith kept running into. <laughs> little, little tiny probs. Now, Keith knew having these two sisters was great because, like, the money and everything. But he wanted something bigger. Like, he he's like, they are the hammerhead sharks. I want a great white. So he wanted to get Edgar Broffman Sr. enrolled in Nexium, And he did. He got the dad. Damn. So the dad entered a Nexium course in 2003. And Edgar convinced Nancy that he needed to have some courses himself. Oh, no. Specifically her and him. Right. And she's the hypnotist, remember, and everything. Mm -hmm. So things are going okay. He's like kind of about it. And then Claire and Sarah get into an argument. And remember, they're like the jealousy and stuff. Claire's so pissed that she accidentally lets it slip that she loaned Keith $2 million dollars. Oh, my gosh. Her dad is so fucking livid that he literally is like, no, 
You got to leave the cult. You got to get out. You got to be done. And he goes up to Forbes magazines like, hey, you want to know something crazy? Nexium's a cult. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, I have proof. Look. Leave it to the dads. <laughs> well, the Forbes magazine is like, oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they literally print a thing about how it's a cult. Right. Well, that causes a lot of problems. Right. And this like really sets the tone for now, like the rest of everything that happens. And it plants the seed that some people think that this could be a cult. The piece had detailed Keith's history with MLM frauds in the early 90s before he found a Nexium. And it also had testimonials for participants who had suffered from hallucinations and psychotic episodes following their grueling ESP sessions. Ugh. So that's that's a big one, right? So you would think people would be like, oh, no. Well, Keith instead spins things as cult leaders do. <laughs> so while this was ongoing, Keith got really pissed and he forced the girls to cut off ties with their father and he advised them that they need to hire a financial advisor. Hi hire. Did I say Heil? Yes, you did. Okay. Huh. Heil of financial. Oh, Heil. Hire. I get it. I hear it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hire a financial advisor. I couldn't figure out where I said Heil, though, was the thing, if that makes sense. I was like, there's no L word. Financial. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, you need to hire someone, girls. I know one. Do you of just course. want me to hook you up? And that's where Barbara Boucher gets hired by the Bronfman sisters. Now, at that point, Barbara's leaving with him and one, if not both the sisters are. And so like Barbara knows and Barbara's like, hey, as long as they're paving the way with their money, I'm cool with it because she knows what's happening. She's in the inner circle in a sense, you know. So this is, again, setting the tone in a really toxic way. And here's some of the things that started happening. The sisters would spend their money on anything. And Claire is Tina Belcher. She's, um, <laughs> <laughs> she's obsessed with horses and she is an equestrian. Okay. She loves horses. She loves riding and she thinks everyone should ride and everyone should have a horse. So here's some things she bought. A $2.3 million Nexium 200 acre horse farm. Wow. Only 200 acres. <laughs> Mine's 500. Jeez, right. and Michael like um, she spent a million dollars fixing up Nancy's mansion she spent 1.7 million dollars on a new Nexium headquarters oh, headquarters headquarters she spent um, 65 million dollars for Keith and some commodities trading that he lost all of it as if Barbara didn't learn when 65 million dollars and then she wrote him a 20 million dollar check to a blanket Nexium corporation that no one knows what it went to. Hmm. Still to so, this day? I, I couldn't find. Yeah. I, that's so, I, I would settle for half a million dollars, please. Yeah, like, me too. Give me $20,000 and I'll be happy. Yep. Like if every celebrity was just like, hey, I'll give everyone a grand. I know. I was about to say a thousand dollars. Like yeah. literally one grand or even just like, I'll give everyone, you know, depending on your housing situation, one to five grand, something like that. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that would be crazy. That'd be super helpful. Now these funds were helpful for Keith because they helped protect Nexium. 
because he started targeting people he deemed as enemies, which is, like I said, anyone that went against him um, because he was using her lawyer fees, her money, like all this stuff. He also created some side groups with this money, which we're going to talk a little bit about. The first one was in 2006 and it's called Jeunesse. That's what that word is. <laughs> yeah. Why is Nexium Nexium and why is Jeunesse Jeunesse? Okay, guys, this is spelled J N E S S. Yeah, Jeunesse. <laughs> yeah, that's Je- not how English works. <laughs> they get a little bit easier the more he he starts giving up. Well, actually, no, he makes them in other languages, and so they have initials. Actually, he makes them harder. Now he makes the Jeunesse group, but. We're not going to get big into Jeunesse just yet, but just know that he created this because like when we start to talk about, like I said, we're going to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, because things are like being worked on, but they're not disclosed to everyone yet. So only the inner members know and like things like that. So that's starting in 2006. Let's rewind again back to 2003. Something big happened in the world of Nexium. Um, A mysterious death, which happens in a lot of cults. Mm-hmm. But people are always like, that's crazy. How'd that happen? Like, That's weird. <laughs> so her name was Kristen Snyder. Did she commit suicide? Was it an accident? Did she try to run and hide away from the Nexium cult? Because you can't get out unless you're in a body bag, essentially. Right. So here's what happened. We're going to talk about the Kristen story, which if you're really wanting to dig into this, Kristen could be its own episode. We're not going to do that, but there are some um, Nexium based podcast that I talk about in the end of each, all three parts. I'm going to do it because, um, if you really want a Nexium cult, like one of our listeners did go and listen to the one that I listened to and they were like, holy shit, I just went and listened to it. And I understand now how you said you fell into such a deep hole because it's multi, it's a lot of parts. I think, um, it's like over eight hours and it's, it's, it's wild. They'll take like one whole episode about Jeunesse. They'll take one whole episode about DOS, one whole episode about Allison. Like they are so insane. Okay. So Kristen Snyder disappeared February 6th, 2003. She was 35 years old. Kristen had attended an ESP session in Anchorage, Alaska. And soon after she began her own journey with Nexium and ESP. After that, she went to Albany. New- That's like the beginning of it. Sorry. After that, she went to Albany, New York, because she was really interested in this like company that she's finding out about. She went to meet with some of the members of the inner circle, some higher ups. And then she actually met with Keith himself that time, which was a big deal because normally people had to be in the cult for months or even like years to get to actually meet cult. Cause he's so high up in the sash system, you know, but Kristen did after just joining. So it was a pretty big deal in February. Kristen had attended a 16 day ESP course and slowly during it, she actually said she was becoming more of a non-believer than a believer. So during this course, there's two different stories. One is that Kristen openly stated she was pregnant with Keith's child and people deemed it as a delusional rant. And all the people were told, like, don't believe her. She's just going crazy. She only just met Keith. Another story is she stood up and started screaming it and like having a hysterical breakdown and she was escorted out and they deemed her crazy and delusional. Of course. So I because you have these NDAs and everything, we don't know which one's true. But something happened, right? Here's what happened after that. A lady named Elaine Smiloff, who was a fellow member, drove Kristen home from her ESP intensive. Oh, it is called an intensive. There we go. (laughs) And I knew I typed it somewhere, but I couldn't scroll all these pages to find it. So she drove her from the intensive home in Anchorage. And that was on February 6, 2003. And Elaine was the last person known to see Kristen alive. 
Elaine says that she remembers uh, Kristen telling her that she's pregnant. Okay. And Kristen, I've heard mixed reports. She lives with another person. Okay. And the thing is, is she lives with this woman named Heidi. In some stories, I hear Heidi was a close roommate. And other times I hear Heidi was her partner. They okay. were roommates. Sorry, I just had to do the vine. They were roommates. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know which they are. I can't get a for sure answer. Because even after watching testimonials, it's kind of vague, I think. So either way, Heidi also says that Kristen told her she was pregnant. And if that's her partner, I could see why it's hard to understand. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's confusing. But keep in mind, two people did have the same story. They knew that she was pregnant and she had this freak out in this course. So the same day that she tells someone she's pregnant and she's clearly not in the right state of mind. People wonder why Elaine left her. Um, she goes missing. OK, a kayak was stolen from a place called Miller's Landing, not far from her house. And the police found Kristen's Toyota Tacoma pickup truck nearby from Miller's Landing. The Alaska State Police investigators believe that Kristen drove herself to a place called Resurrection Bay. And she intentionally capsized the kayak, drowning and dying. Then they say an apparent suicide note was found in a spiral notebook inside the Tacoma. I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you choose drowning? No. Okay. Yeah. No. Me either. <laughs> Like, no. what? In cold Alaskan waters? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. No. Fuck no. I would, I, I would pick the fastest thing I could. But also, I am not very uh, good at things. So <laughs> I, <probably fail. laughs> I am 100% sure if I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that act of doing what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, all right. A bang to the head would be that way, right? That's the foolproof. No. Yeah, I, you would survive. I know I would survive it. I just know. I know I'm the person that would survive it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's how my life works. Or like, I'm going to run my car off a 70-foot drop bridge. My car is going to roll into like some water and somehow I'm going to make it out and survive on accident. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to have every single shattered bone in my body. But trust me, guys, I'm like a fucking cockroach. I'll live. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> trust me. Life has tried to kill me a few times and scenarios just like that. Still here. Yeah. Uh, like that car one, guys. I kind of wasn't making that up. I my car got hit. I was parked and uh, a semi and a 16 wheeler hit me going 80 miles an hour and my car got thrown off of a um, bridge and flipped 16 times and hit by two other cars in the process. And Was I that lived. the time where you were like, I have to go to work? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that happens was this car. I'm going to tell the story real quick because it's kind of funny. My car is destroyed, right? Like destroyed. But I was locked in the car because the steering wheel had the my car was so smashed in. I was smashed into my car and my stuff is thrown all around and ain't it fun by fucking Paramore was still playing on the fucking radio. As I'm like in my car dying almost. I can't breathe. I have a deflated lung. I'm bleeding from all over my face from glass and like all this stuff. I smashed my head in. I had a broken part in my neck. Like everything is wrong, right? Like every single thing you can imagine. All right. 
I'm laying there. My glasses get thrown from my face and my face is bleeding. And so this lady walks up to me. And the first thing I say is I was like, I think I've gone blind <laughs> because I couldn't see anything. And I was like, what happened? I'm blind because I'm traumatized. Right. And she's like, um, are these your glasses? <laughs> she just like picks up broken glasses. Like, oh, yeah, those are mine. I could not reach for them because I'm pinned in my car. Right. Um, right. They finally, like, the police get there and, like, an ambulance gets there and stuff. And they have to, like, cut me out of my vehicle and stuff. It was so scary. The noises were so loud. Everything the was bad. of life. Yep. Yep. And had to, like, cut out. My, my door was already off the hinges, but they had to cut the front part of my car out and stuff. Um, the engine of my car was in my passenger seat to tell you how much my car was crunched in. You guys, like, I'm, I'm serious. It was so terrifying. I get into the... Um, uh ambulance in the back right and I was holding my phone in my hand this entire time because the one thing they tell you is to stay calm during these things so I was so fucking calm cool and collected I was trying to just like distract myself while my car was like flipping and stuff so I was trying to just like hold my phone that was what I told myself is I need to hold my phone so that when this car crash is done I can call the police Obviously, I could not think, though, once it stopped flipping and my car was, like, on its side. Right. They also had to turn my car back around. All right. I promise the story's almost over, you guys. This is just crazy. Um, So I'm in the back of the ambulance, and I'm still holding my phone, and they kept trying to take it from me. And I was like, no, I need it. I need it. I need it. And they're like, we're going to call someone. Like, do you have a, an ICE, like, an in-case-of-emergency and stuff? Like, what's your mom's name and your phone? What's your password? Blah, blah, blah. And they're asking me all these questions. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to call someone. And I just like take my phone back. And mind you, me talking was horrific because I had a deflated fucking lung and I'm coughing up blood. And so I'm like, and like, that's how I'm talking. Right. OK. Right. So um, I still have a scar on my chest. Um, and so I call my work, which I was on the way to work, mind you. And I called him and I said, I'm going to be a few minutes late to work. <laughs> I got in a car accident. I have to go to the hospital intensive care. And then I need to find someone to drive me to work. I was still an hour and a half away from Chicago, guys. And I was like, I'm going to be a few minutes late. <laughs> the police ripped this phone out of my hand. And they're like, yeah, so she's going to the hospital for like two weeks. She's not coming out. <laughs> she cannot stand. She cannot move. She cannot walk. She is not like I, I went by she, her pronouns back then. Everyone. Um, they're like, she is not coming not to happening. work. Like, like it's she's not falling happening. off. And like, I don't know what she does for a living. They're like, she's a bartender. And they're like, oh, she's not coming to work. <laughs> No. <laughs> a Chicago bar? No. She can't stand. She can't breathe on her own. She has to have a device. Like, she's not coming to work. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And in case you guys want to know the finale of how great that story is, <laughs> I was dating someone at the time and I call, well, I don't. One of my friends calls my significant other to tell them that I'm in the hospital and they drive the hour to pick me up from this hospital, right? And help me. And they're the only person that lives close to Chicago that can help me because like my roommate and I were kind of like strangers. It was just this dude I live with named Drew. I just I don't know. He was just Drew. Um, and my significant other, he drove to the hospital. And while sitting in the hospital, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. I am so happy. And he's like, yeah, I think we should break up. <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh my God. And he's God. like, yeah, I got a phone call that my girlfriend's in the hospital and dying. And I realized I wasn't as sad as I should be. So I don't think we're in love. So I think we should break up. 
But also they asked if I can take care of you for the next week. So I have your stuff at my house to take care of you. And I was like, no. no. So then after he broke up with me, I had to stay at his house for two weeks while he took care of me and nursed me back to health. And then that was it. I hate that for you. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was really awful. Oh my God. Uh, good times. Good times. So yeah, I'm a cockroach. Can't kill me. <laughs> I'm a cockroach. <laughs> no big um, deal. <laughs> I've had a lot of crazy car accidents, but that's definitely like the top tier one. Um, yeah. So there you go, guys. If you ever want to know crazy other things that have tried to kill me, I, I could... I could tell you more someday, so just you know, just just wait for it. You'd probably grow gills if you tried to drop <laughs> Somehow, my body would just be like, "I can adapt. I down can do here. this. It's fine." <laughs> Click fins in a gill, not that hard. Just I'll mutate. <laughs> oh God, that's so funny. Um, okay, so they found this suicide note, right? They found a suicide note. Let's uh-huh. let's talk about it. Here's what it said. <clears throat> Now, keep in mind, she is a member of Nexium. She spells Nexium wrong in the suicide note, which is kind of odd. Okay. She said, I attended a course called Executive Success Programs, a.k.a. Nexium, based out of Anchorage, Alaska and Albany, New York. I was brainwashed and my emotional center of the brain was killed slash turned off. I still have feeling in my external skin, but my internal organs are rotting. Please contact my parents. If you find me or this note. I'm sorry, life. I don't know if I was, I didn't know I was already dead. May we persist into the future. And then she signs it. And then like in another part in the notebook, she wrote, she writes, (laughs) no need to search for my body. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's fishy. <laughs> so if you okay, let's let's go into the the psychological part of 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 this act, right? If you leave a note, you want it to be found. Yep. That and is she the says, whole reason. <clears throat> she says, contact my parents if you find me, me, meaning her body. I would me. assume me is my body. Right. Or this note. No right. need to search for my body. The fuck, girl? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a little sus. Now, Kristen's body was never found. Mm-hmm. She was presumed dead by suicide due to the Alaskan state troopers. Um, Paul Randall was the state trooper who told Times Union. People have suggested it was a staged event because also the suicide note doesn't match Kristen's handwriting. Okay, well, there's that for you. That's the answer. <laughs> yep. Well, there's that. Um, if you guys want to hear about a really crazy potential suicide that isn't a suicide, that's a crazy story. Go in the archives and listen to part one and two of Phoebe Hansjuck by us. Mm-hmm. That is one of the craziest cases in my world. Crazy. There's another one that's not at all a suicide, but it's a crazy. Did they mean to murder someone? Was it an accident or not? And I have theories, but that's the Reva Camp episode and Oscar Pistorius. It's a an African. Um, I almost said NASCAR. No, um, <laughs> Olympic person. Both those are in the archives, and those are really crazy ones if you guys want to keep up the, like, listening to a crazy type episode. Which, ooh, on the docket in the next, I think it's, like, three episodes away, I have a really crazy one coming up that's also a, like, whodunit type thing. Like, did they do it? Did someone else do it? Are they even dead? I like whodunit. I like theorizing, too. Yes, I like theorizing because it makes me feel like there's potential it could be solved and maybe even that they're still alive. Right? I don't, well, okay. That 
Is it I mean, true in with situation, the hand struck si- one? In situation. But you yeah. guys will get the gist. Go listen, you'll know and talk to us about it. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's where they left off, right? But there's all those questions of like, if Elaine took Kristen home and the story with Heidi claimed that like Elaine knew and Heidi knew. Heidi also said Elaine was going to stay with Kristen until Heidi got home, but she didn't. Everyone knew she wasn't in a stable condition. Like, why did they drive her home and leave her alone and stuff? There's too many questions. And then people were like, if she's that unstable, she couldn't have driven from Anchorage to Seward, which is where she was on the night of February 6th. Like, there's just no, there's too many hmms, you know? Yeah. But Keith said Kristen faked her own death to escape her drug running past. Oh, then one of the roommates of Keith's, Kristen Keith, different <laughs> Kristen, said she had evidence that Kristen, okay, uh, is still alive. Okay, so Kristen Keith says Kristen Snyder's alive. Now, you ready to get weirder? Yeah, Claire Bronfman hired an investigative team to find Kristen Snyder in 2014. And she said that Kristen was alive and did have Keith's child in the end. Oh. Oh, that's not even the beginning of where this is about to get messy. And I'm going to try to use last names because Kristen and Kristen are going to become really messy. But so the team that they hired, Claire Bronfman, she hired a dude named Matt Malone. Claire hired Matt Malone and his group to find both Kristen's because Kristen Keith went missing also. Oh. And you want to know the craziest thing? Kristen Keefe had a baby with Keith. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. So Kristen Snyder and Kristen Keefe both supposedly had babies with Keith and both went missing. In part three, we'll talk more about the Kristen Keefe leaving thing because like I, I'm, it doesn't make sense to put it in this one and it'll make it too long. But let's dive more into what's happening. So Malone says he traced both Kristen's into being alive and being in Florida. He said he found them in Bradenton, actually. So then other people were like, okay, let's find them again. Well, conveniently, years later, they tried and they just couldn't find them. Conveniently. Yeah. Now, let's talk about weird suicides in general, because that's all pretty weird. And like, we'll talk more about Kristen and all this and Malone in part three. I'm sorry. Yes, there's a third part. Just guys, it's going to get interesting. And sometimes people like trail off by like if it's more than one part or even more than two parts. Guys, part three is going to be the wildest one of all. And if you miss it, you're going to really want to kick yourself in the ass because it's. He goes there. (laughs) It's a doozy. Like, I know we did a three part with Skinwalker and part three was kind of like just the tail end. And then we kind of had to fill the gaps with fun and games. I feel like we could even do like two more parts of Skinwalker. This one, if you miss part three, you're missing huge things about this case. So let's talk about the weird suicides. Do you remember Gina Hutchinson from episode one, like part one? And we talk about her apparent suicide. And I said that exact thing. And Kylie's like, oh, why'd you word it like that? I don't think I said that, but yeah. Well, you said you said apparent and you like, (laughs) like you kind of like, we're like, that's a weird thing. Right. Well, that's because some people wonder if Gina is still alive or if it was a hoax of a suicide because, yeah, she was shot in the head and everything else. And they're like, well, it's either a fake body and it wasn't her. Or she's, she's, um, uh, a cockroach (laughs) or she's a cockroach. Yeah. (laughs) So they think that Keith could be behind these suicides and that like they have ties to him because that's kind of weird that there's that many like suicide slash weird stories, but you know, what's even weirder. That's not even all the deaths that have weird scenarios that link them together. 
Barbara Jensky and Pam K. Fritz. Now, I mentioned also in part one, Pam K. Fritz died. Mm-hmm. Well, Barbara Jensky and Pam K. Fritz both die. Pam was one of the roommates, and she's the one that would bring Keith new partners to have sex with in the beginning. She's also the person that would take the women to the Planned Parenthood for their abortions. And she did it so often. She got to the point where the people at Planned Parenthood would recognize her and just like be like, oh, you're here for an abortion. You're here to bring someone in. So he was a, she was a pretty important player, right? When you become a regular at Planned Parenthood. For abortion specifically. Yeah. Right. So what happened to those women? Well, no, Shiro, that's not what happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's trying to be part of the episode. Um, both these women died of cancer. Well, okay, that doesn't seem that weird. Lots of people die from cancer. Shut up, Thena. You're being weird. Um, well, Kristen Keefe also had cancer. Hmm. But she didn't die. She survived because she left the cult. Now, that's kind of weird now, isn't it? Hmm. All these random cancer pops up. That's that's kind of a lot, right? Well, you want to know what they did find? They found that all of these women were slowly being poisoned over a period of time. Oh, now, I'm not pointing any fingers here, but... I we can all agree who's behind this, right? Like we know the man that plays volleyball. <laughs> plays That's volleyball. a nerd. That's literally the first image I used on the uh, Instagram was a fucking image of him looking dorky as hell in his volleyball gear. It's so <laughs> he's so fucking dorky. Like that's the only thing I can describe this man as is a dork. And I used one where he literally says, I have some really neat talents. And he has like a sweatband on and stuff. Oh, he's such a fucking dweeb. (laughs) Dweeb, dweeb, dweeb. That's all he is. Okay. Now, moving on from all the deaths and stuff, we need to talk about what's happening also. Okay, because we 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 started it and then I was like, hold on, we need to rewind. And now we're back in the future. So we need to rewind again. But now we're rewinding to a different part. We're going to go back to 2006 again when we talked about the Jeunesse group. Right. So this is where things start to get wild, because we're going to talk about the groups within the cult, because there's the groups within the groups within the groups. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's going to get it's going to get too many levels. (laughs) So according to the New York Times, there was this group called Jeunesse, and it was began in 2006, and it targeted the women of Nexium. Now, Jeunesse's website no longer exists, but Glamour reported that it was decorated with pink and purple accents, and it was proclaimed to be a women's movement that facilitates an ongoing exploration of what it means to be a woman. Now, I know that you like pink, but like... It's not... All, women don't like pink I don't. Much. I don't like pink, and I really don't like purple. I'm not a big purple person. like real purple oh fuck i hate i like only like lavender purple? or dusty yeah. like yeah purple. i, I hate like purple i don't like true blues i fucking if your favorite color is yellow and yes i'm coming for you you are the most toxic person i've ever met i've never <laughs> met a person that likes the color yellow that's not toxic ever there's something wrong with you i like yellow no. but it is not my favorite color i my favorite color I thought my favorite colors were pink and green, and I've recently learned they are not pink and green. Yeah. I like pink on its own, and I like green on its own, but my all-time favorite color is red. I did not know that until recently, but the more I look at everything, I would rather have everything be red, because all reds go with everything. Like, oh, I love red. But pink and green are really up there. Yeah. Just wait until you come over to my house next, Kylie. You're going to be so impressed because your favorite style is literally what we're doing our house as. My house looks like a 
70s dream house Utopia. yeah like i have like disco balls in my house even and like so it is so fucking cute my house is really making its way also, growing up i was like i don't like the 70s the me 70s neither. are so stupid like why why did people put these colors together and now me at 30, that's all i I'm want like, mm, yeah you were right i like that <laughs> and like i'm not i'm not a full maximalist maximalist uh-huh. but i'm like halfway there like it's not that busy but i definitely do busyness um, but yeah, you're going to be very impressed. And we even bought our first ever record player and everything. Like we have a whole record nice. section in our house. It's very cute. Um, we have our vinyls on the wall. You can see which ones are Margie's and which are mine. Very, very. I saw that post. very clearly. Yep. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. I have Harry and Niall and she has Bad Omens and Icy Stars. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Janesse is. Uh, it's a front. It's definitely a front. We'll get into why it's front. Okay. Now, Janess ends up getting a really high profile member, and that ends up being the Smallville actress, Allison Mack, we talked about before. So she raved about this group in 2013 in a YouTube video. So, like, that's obviously later down the road because we're back in 2006, but I just wanted that to be known. Now, Allison had met Keith at a volleyball game, and somehow she was <laughs> taken with him. How? No idea. Oh my God. Girl, get glasses. <laughs> She's out of prison now, everyone. Um, uh-huh. She was out of prison the day we recorded, like, the last episode of us, or, like, the day before. So that's crazy. Now, she ended up becoming a huge supporter, and she was showered with attention and praise because she was the celebrity of the group. A lot of people said that she was a very impressionable person, so they weren't surprised she fell into a cult. If you became a member of Jeunesse, you had to attend another set of workshops, and these were 11 eight-day workshops. That's kind of a lot. Yeah. 88 days. And they reportedly cost Janess members $5,000 each session. Where are they getting this money? Oh, my God. I don't know. Okay. The group uh, actually would sit there and break women down, though, and bash them for their mental health. Sounds So that they had to keep coming back to try to uplift themselves. Because they were like, in the end, we'll be uplifted. So we just have to get to that point. Oh. The women were super dedicated members of Nexium, and eventually in 2011, they ended up making a secondary group because the women were the only one being praised at this point. So they instead created the SOP, which is SOP. It's the Society of Protectors. And that group's intention is to build character and turn the members from little boys into men. So that's like the men's group. <laughs> the SOP members had to provide collateral to, provide, uh, to belong to the group. And that would include things like sums of money which was a minimum of like $1,500 or so. Like you, you still had to pay to do stuff. And you had other collateral though? Um, yes, but we'll talk about the other collateral okay. later. Now the group had events. They would do specifically like this one really big event, which would be a 10 day retreat where everyone was invited and stuff. And it was super fun. And they would celebrate Keith's birthday. And it was called V Week, which stood for nope. like Vanguard Week. Don't like that. Yeah. Members would travel from all over the world to come up to New York uh, to go to the New York compound where they would essentially hold a 10 day summer camp for adults where they would have like all the things you imagine at summer camps. And they were like fun and everyone loved this. This was like their favorite part of the cult. Like it was the actual only good part. And the crazy thing was, is these events were so good that it made the members forget about how stressful, bad and the rest of the group's like happenings were because they were like, I just got to make it to the next fun one. Like, that's Isn't what that is. usually why people have company picket picnics. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. In 2009, the group took another heavy hit, though. So um, 
the group took a really heavy hit. It's crazy because it happened in 2009 and it's called the Nexium 9, but it has nothing to do with the year. A small group of members called the Nexium 9 had split from the group. They cited their concerns over unethical practices and abuse of the leadership status to sexually manipulate women. Barbara Boucher was one of the women, which she had been a very key player up to this point. So that's kind of crazy, right? Right. There's a woman named Susan Dones, who was a really high ranking member who joined back in 2000. And there were seven other women that all became part of this group. So they wanted to speak out and talk about what was happening and how unjust things were. And originally, Susan planned a meeting with these women and Keith. So all the Nexium 9 and Keith, they just wanted to talk and call him out on the money issues, the lack of paying taxes, and how he was exploiting women of the group, thinking like, we'll come to a solution and things will get better. But instead of listening, Keith told them what he was doing was to help everyone. And if they're going to go against him and question him like this, they need to start doing more EMs because something's wrong with them. It's a them problem. (laughs) So all these women were pissed. They leave and they defect. They end up leaving and signing a resignation letter with their terms. And Kylie's going to read it now. It was an email and it couldn't get it to copy and paste in this. And like things were going wrong. So I had to print it. So Kylie's going to go back to the Stone Age and read a printed out email that I gave her. Can you hear that paper? (laughs) So go ahead, Kylie. All right. So it's titled The Demand Letter. It's a forwarded message from Barbara Boucher. Uh, Date is Friday, April 24th, 2009 at 1043 p.m. Subject, a request, dot, dot, dot. There's a lot of people that this went to. So there's two, Keith, Ranieri, and then Nancy, and then there's a bunch of CC people. Dear Keith and Nancy, what predicated our meetings with Keith on April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of 2009 was the growing number of Nexium community members expressing their concerns about the inconsistencies we are and have been experiencing in how the company operated. Upon sharing data, the damages are more are more far-reaching than originally thought. As we compared our data of why the system wasn't working, we identified evidence of secrecy, non-disclosure, and lack of transparency. Our intent for meeting with Keith was to rectify the inconsistencies in the leadership of the company and the conflict of interest within the system. Keith's willingness to meet with us was based in part on his opinion of the organization's ethical breach against its members because its system of protocol and feedback failed. We concluded at the end of these meetings that resolution was not probable. Based on the above, we believe we can no longer continue a business relationship with ESP slash Nexium. Therefore, we are requesting the closure of outstanding value exchanges not met, as well as the buyout for the Tacoma Center for the people mentioned below. We are requesting a response to this letter by 1159 p.m. Saturday, April 25th, 2009. We are requesting a written, signed, notarized contract agreeing to the below amounts by 11.59 p.m. Sunday, April 26, 2009. We are requesting a cashier's check for the total amount due of $2,088,000 by Thursday, April 30, 2009. If these requests are not met, we will move forward by contacting the press. Paper. The below financials are only being provided to you, but the above letter has been sent to the executive board. Sincerely, Barbara Boucher, Susan Dones, Kim Woolhouse, Angela Ucci, Ellen Gibson, Nina Cowell, Jane Heim, Sheila Cote, and Kathy Ether. 
Damn. I mean, it's written very well. (laughs) So there were four more pages of like replies back and forth between lawyers, attorneys, people, everything. But here's what happened. I'm going to summarize the rest, but I wanted you guys to hear that. In response, Nexium claimed Barbara and the women were extorting Nexium and they're going to be prosecuted for it (laughs) because they're extorting them for the money. Right. So Barbara and Susan hired lawyers for themselves because they had a ton of money, but then they hired lawyers for the other seven women because obviously a lot of people go broke being in Nexium. Right. And over the years, the extortion charges ended up not being able to be charged and luckily they all fell off. But... Nexium did do the same thing they did with Tony Natal. Na- Why do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Because Natalia sounds like a better last name than Natalie. Because Tony Nat and everyone else, they ended up tying them up with lawsuits and taking all their money for all these women. But luckily, all these women like went out to the press and everything else and started like talking out about their stories and stuff. And that's how we get a lot of firsthand accounts of what happened in Nexium. So Barbara told the Times Union she realized Keith's secret weapon was the secrets he would use as blackmail to groom members of Nexium. Because that's part of the also collateral they were using was he would have them tell mm. secrets. But remember, that's what we talked about in part one, because I talked about the AHS cult. Uh-huh. He loves secrets. He's a secreter. Now, although she tried to tell authorities what was happening, they kept brushing her off and saying that, like, you know, she's just being a hurt girlfriend that got kicked from the group. And she started getting harassed by Nexium members. Of so course. that doesn't go over well. In 2009, then still after the first big defect of the Nexium 9, Keith starts losing power over some of the members. Uh, one that was particularly hard for Keith personally was this one with this girl named Daniela Flores. And Daniela Flores is a fake name because of the age of the victims and her sisters, her and her sisters. These are all fake names. So Daniela Flores was taken in the group at 16 years old. Um, She is from Mexico and she was taken into the headquarters in Albany, New York, where she was an illegal immigrant, which does become important, especially during like the trials and stuff, because she never had like a a legal tie to being in America. So Daniela and her two sisters, Mariana, who was the oldest, she was about 17, and Camilla, who was 15 at the time, I think, were all raped by Keith. And all three ended up pregnant at times and were all three forced to get abortions. Now, keep in mind, all three of these girls are under 18. Mm -hmm. Mariana was coached in tennis by Keith, while Daniela later told courts she was there because she was moved by the group's world changing mission and... She liked their scientific approach and she was offered an opportunity to come to Albany and use her self-taught programming skills. She was told she could help save the world from an unspecified disaster that Keith kept claiming would take place in the next 10 to 15 years. Later, she is like, yeah, I was young and naive. Of course, I believe that. I thought I was doing like good work. Right. So Daniela ends up joining. She did data entry for odd jobs for the company and she was getting tutored by Keith as well. Because remember, Keith loves tutoring young, young girls. Mm -hmm. And the court documents, you learn a ton about these three sisters and their lives in the cult. And it's so fucking disgusting the more you learn. Again, could be a whole episode just on these three. So on Christmas, he attempted a threesome with two of the girls. um, And one of the girls starts like crying and it's this whole big thing. And they have to talk about it openly during court. And it's so traumatic. Two sisters. Right. That are under 18. Keep in mind. Yeah. Right. He would also just use sex against them. And it's just it. the more you read about it, it's so fucking gross. I decided to gloss over this section instead of making it a bigger section. Like 
I mean, I, 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 I talk about it a bit, obviously here, but like, oh God, no, I didn't, I didn't want to get too deep in this one. So after years of sexual abuse from Keith, Daniela had started to move on and she actually became attracted to someone and she became attached and like kind of wanted to start dating a fellow Nexium member named Ben. And she starts getting interested in Ben, but Keith finds out about it and he gets freaked out. And this is so fucking wild. He locks her in a room for 23 months with no contact to the outside world. And everyone in Nexium knows about it and is like, okay, well, oh. she did go against Keith. Okay, cool. What? Oh my God. That's, I feel like there's probably some, you know, fear culture there. There but. is. That's two years. Yeah. Oh my God. There's another cult that does something like this that I want to cover someday where they lock people in these rooms and stuff. And, uh, because they like fall in love and they want to date. And, oh my God. Okay. Anyways. um, So Daniela was allowed to have in this small room with her, a mattress, a pen and paper. She used the pen and paper to write an apology note every single day to Keith for the 23 months. And he never read a single one of them. What an asshole. Her parents were the ones allowed to bring her food but they weren't allowed to ever talk to her. So then in 2009, after she finally like comes out someday, like she still defects, keep in mind. But then in 2009, and we'll talk more about her during the trial. In 2009, the hits keep on happening. The Dalai Lama visits Albany to come to the Nexium headquarters and commend Keith on his ethical work. His ethical work? Yeah. In May of 2009, they do this. I hate this. They it. talk about how great Nexium is. And you're like, it's the Dalai Lama. Everyone, without even being a Buddhist, you know who the Dalai Lama is. Everyone knows who, you might not know exactly which Dalai Lama, like, I'm talking about and mm -hmm. who it is. But that's like saying, like, the president of the U.S. You know what he does. You know who he is. You know, he's a very famous, the Queen of England. You know who the Dalai Lama is. Well, and has a lot of, you know, sway on, yes. on things, on people. Especially over peacefulness like right i wouldn't let let's say like the u.s president is like gonna give a speech about peace i don't i take it with a grain of salt but if the dalai lama is giving a speech about peace i'm gonna be like well that's that's kind of true i'm gonna believe them a little bit more like yeah that's adding so much credibility to this group that's just insane well eight years after he visits someone found out that sarah brothman one of those two sisters from earlier she slept with the Dalai Lama's gatekeeper who had taken a vow of celibacy. And he's the person that would set up the Dalai Lama's trips. And he's the one that set up the Dalai Lama's trip to Albany. And because he had taken that vow and then he obviously slept with Sarah, he ends up getting denounced and loses his position and everything. But it was eight years later they found this out. That sucks. And obviously the cult was like already figured out at that point. But like right. if people would have found that out earlier, I feel like that could have easily changed so much of this. Right. In November of 2010, the um, the magazine Vanity Fair, the New York Post, and the Albany Times all published articles. They all detailed allegations of abuse, violence, and how the Nexium coaches described the students as prey. Which, knowing what we know, yeah, they all are sexual prey to Keith. Right. Which potentially also maybe some of the other proctors and coaches and stuff. Like, we don't know still. Right. But around the same time, the Nexium 9 happened, Daniela turning against him, this article happening, everything. Keith decides, you know what would fix all my problems? Sex? Having sex with another woman. <laughs> How'd I know? <laughs> so him and Allison Mack start having a relationship as well. The Smallville girl. 
People started noticing this because they noticed Alice's Allison's change in personality as well as her looks. She started losing weight dramatically, dramatically, drastically, whichever you want to pick there. And she started looking really sickly, which like I talk about that earlier, like how he's so attracted to skinny. Now, Smallville wrapped up in 2011. And so when that ends, Allison pretty much starts to turn all of her attention to working for Nexium. And that's when she starts like making YouTube videos about it and talking out about how much she supports it and she loves it. Now, crazy enough, I learned something while doing all this research that I had. I've heard quite a few things about this, but I've never digged specifically into Allison's part in this other than like the basis, what I've learned so far. So I was digging into hers because I wanted to know specifically how the other Smallville cast feel about her because she's in multiple seasons, you know? So yeah. I was like, I wonder if they ever talk about it because they still do tours. They're literally going on a tour in like three more months um, in like Chicago area I saw. And I was like, I wonder if people ever ask. I wonder what they say, things like that. So I started looking into that, right? Which, <laughs> first off, there was something kind of funny. Uh, it was in like either 2021 or 22, someone did bring it up at one of the um, panels Mm -hmm. with Tom and Tom Welling, which plays Clark Kent and Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex Luthor. And yes, I know I say that weird. I'm sorry. I've always done it. Um, And there was like one or two other people in it. I don't think Kristen Krug was there, but someone else was there. Oh, the girl that plays Lois Lane was there, but I can't think of her name. And someone else, okay? And they were like, oh, we heard you guys have a new thing in the making. You guys are making like an animated series, but you guys are voicing the same people, blah, blah, blah. Is it going to be all the same people? Are you guys doing a reunion? What's happening? And the girl that plays Lois Lane's like, yeah, it's a big reunion. Maybe Allison won't make it. She might be a little tied up, but everyone else will be there. And like, they all kind of make like a snide, kind of like not mean joke, but definitely kind of mean joke. But like, it's also warranted because of everything she does in the end. Right. But, and they all kind of were like, yeah, like, I heard she's out of prison, but it might be too soon. Is that too soon to make that joke? Like, they're all kind of like, oh, we're going to do it anyways, because we don't want this to, like, get too dramatic. And then they're like, anyways, moving on. Yeah, her character might not be in it. OK. And I was like, I mean, they did dissuade from it really fast and they made it playful enough without being heavy, but also, like, not too playful to where they're, like, mocking her. But it's yeah. definitely like. You could tell they've been asked a million times and they've probably avoided it up until this point. But now that there's like, fuck it. Yeah. Now there's an actual reunion. She's actually out of prison. She could speak out herself. They're like, "Eh, whatever. We'll say it. But anyways, um, beyond that. And I think that might be um, you can find that clip on YouTube and everything else. Um, Just like look up like how does Smallville cast feel about Allison Mack? Um, And it I think it was maybe a Canadian one if if i remember correctly like a canadian panel whatever it's like 40 minutes long and it's like halfway through okay but something i learned that was totally new that was wild is when i was looking about how the cast of smallville feels about allison i learned something else kristen Kruk. she was my favorite character she plays lana um and uh lana lana whatever um and i found out she actually was also in esp and nexium and she's just like she kind of like hit it for a long time. So she took an ESP Nexium intensive course when she was two, 23 years old in 2005-ish. Now, she took the course to try to use it for self-help and personal growth because she said she was like becoming a really anxious person and a really shy person. And she thought it would help because like Allison and people were in it. And she said that they liked it. And then she stayed in this group. And if I did the math right, for 10 years. Wow. Because... The article I was reading, she says she's 39 years old 
And she says she left it five years ago. So if she joined when she was 23 and she left it five years past the earth before 39, that's 10 years that she was in it. But she doesn't speak more about it. She doesn't even say anything else, like nothing. Now, the only thing that she ends the like interview with is she says once she left, she didn't have contact or connections with anyone still involved. And even like while in it and doing it and stuff, her and Allison weren't like big on being interactive because Allison was regarded so famously and she like wasn't kind of and stuff. So like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. I literally have never once heard anyone talk about her being in it ever in all the things I've researched about it ever. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Like, and I found like it by how? accident, you know, like it was literally, it was literally the last thing I clicked on too. I was like, ah, I have more than enough. I don't need to. And then I was just like, I'll read this last thing. And then I saw it and I was like, what? I have to say something. That's so fucking weird. I don't know how that's like, just not even brought up. And it's probably because she doesn't want to brought up a ton, but like, I'm not bashing her for it. Like, oh, that's so weird. Okay. So anyways, I was talking about those three articles, right? Like the New York and the Albany and all that. Okay. Well, the New York Post one, that article really started to turn heads because it was specifically about how Keith Raniere had made threats to people and how he had supposedly killed people before. Oh. And that there was a, a recording between him and Barbara Boucher speaking of it. And you can hear this recording. Um, in the recording, you hear him talk about how he's had the opportunity, the means and the need for people to be gone. And that the whole thing just goes ignored in the end because he never outright claims he's murdered anyone. And so there's no murder charges. He just like implies it and everything. It's pretty fucked up. Then in 2011, Tony Natalie, Keith's ex-girlfriend and former business partner. Do you notice how I got that right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she publicly accuses him of rape. She wrote in a statement, um, Prior to leaving him in 1999, I was raped repeatedly by Ranieri each time with him telling me it was harder on him than it was on me, that he needed to be together so that I could share in his energy. Now, at that time, the Nexium attorney, Pamela Nichols, had called Natalie's statement slanderous and scandalous and accused Tony Natalie of having a personal vendetta against Keith. Well, wouldn't 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 you like <laughs> also, you know, she's like broke. What's she having to gain at this point? Right. In 2012, several female members of Nexium came forward with allegations of systematic sexual abuse with Keith and other Nexium members. Their claims were exposed by an investigation that was done by the Albany Times. That one I was talking about earlier. They like came back for it. And they wrote an article that included three accounts of Keith seducing and sexually abusing girls that were under the age of consent. This was the real big first, like, actually acknowledged public outing of Keith truly statutory raping people and that there are charges for it. But Keith was like, well, that just won't do. <laughs> right. So Keith started telling his followers that all these articles are people that are lying and making stuff up so that they can tear him down because they are so filled with parasites and everything else that they just need EMs themselves and that they're non-believers and that's what's happening. And they're like, well, yeah, that sounds accurate. All these followers are like, yeah. <laughs> so as far as the legal sides of things go, even though all this is happening, there's nothing can be done because the statute of limitations had passed for the statutory rape crimes. Ball. So he was allowed to get away with it. So stupid. And I'm using allowed in like a weird way. Like he's allowed. Like first off, they're, why is there a statute of limitations against statutory rape? Yeah, no. I've always had beef with that thought concept. Yep. So much. Okay. Yep. yep. So that could be an episode in its own. Oh <laughs> like. my God. Don't get me. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> so it seems like there's a lot happening, right? Right. Bro, we're at the tip of the iceberg still. Wow. Like, isn't that crazy? We haven't even talked about DOS. You don't know what DOS is yet. Nope. Guess what DOS stands for. Hold on. Nope, I don't know. It's not in English, so you are. <laughs> I was like, what could a D stand for? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's um it's his fucked up uh like what is it called? Uh sex cults part that he has that is where he starts branding people and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's called the Dominius Obsequious Sororium. I might not be pronouncing it right, but yeah, it's mm. Latin for literally Lord over the obedient female companion slave. I like hate it. Something like that. Like that's it. how it translates. Like it literally means master slave concept. We have to talk about that. We have to talk about the branding. We have to talk about the trials. We have to talk about the allegations. We have to talk about everything. Bro, there's so much stuff that's going to happen in part three. Um, but I'm, I'm leaving it here. Of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I know it seems like we didn't kind of learn anything today, but we also learned way too much. No, we learned so much. You need this stuff for it to make sense and to know truly how hated you need to hate Keith. He's still yeah. alive, by the way, everyone. Lame. Yep. He's just in prison. Oh, my gosh. And I found this article of him complaining about how bad prison life is and how, how people treat him unfair. How amazing would it be if they just allowed him to have a pen and paper? i want to okay i know like i shouldn't but like i kind of want to see him do some interviews and i want to hear him again these days like yeah not in like a oh my god like i want to hear keith narrate no i want to hear now that allison mack is out and what her part was and how she got her sentence reduced and stuff i want them to tell him everything and then be like so how do you feel and -hmm. i want to see if this little fucking dweeb gets mad i want them to toy with his emotions and be like just so you know um, all the girls, uh, they're still alive. Actually, they have babies. Their babies are great. Um, you lost all ownership and parental rights and they are all married and happy. Whether any of this is true or not, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and I just want them to fuck with his emotions and just see him get irate. This angry little man. Yes. I feel like he has Napoleon. Dino- no, <laughs> Napoleon complex. Nothing with dynamite. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that was not what i meant uh-huh. at all uh-huh because i he's he's five six ish okay he's only five six that's not that tall for a dude he's no. the same height as me i'm five six he's short he's i'm not gonna call him a short king i'm he's five, short five. yeah he's i could not no no imagine no. seeing eye to no. eye with this no. man Bro. <laughs> okay well that's that guys yep Sorry, it was a long one. Last week was a long one. Again, we're not trying to, but unless you want like an eight part series, we're we're having to stuff these full of content. Now you guys see why it took us a month to get our shit back together, but we're back together and we're here. We're here. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I talk about my sources in the last episode. I'm going to real quick breeze over. I'm really fast again. Two different documentaries, Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult and The Vow, which to me sounds like something beautiful and sweet and loving. You mean like the movie? (laughs) Oh, is it? I was thinking. Yeah, Rachel McAdams and Channing Tatum. Mm, Okay, didn't know that exists. I just keep thinking of the proposal with um, (laughs) Ryan Reynolds Reynolds (laughs) and um, what is that woman? I love her so much. She's uh, Betty White's in it and they Mm -hmm. do that part where she's like, Mm -hmm. to the sweat Yeah. Oh, you bitches. Yep. Damn, what's that bitch's name? I can't. She's in the blind side. Yep. Fuck. Yep. 
Oh, Miss Congeniality. Yep. God damn it. What is Miss Congeniality's name? <laughs> People are screaming at us. Yeah, right they're now. really pissed. I am too, guys. Don't worry. We all hate me equally. Go through your sources. I'll figure it out. Sandra Bullock. Yep, that's it. Fucking Christ. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, uh, the podcast "Escaping Nexium." That's the really wild one. I suggest everyone, if you're into this, that's the one. That's the one thing. If you don't take anything else out of this, but you want more, you want to skip my part one, part two, part three, anything. That's the one. Okay, uh, we got three books: "Scarred: The True Story of How I Escaped Nexium Cult, The Cult That I Bound My Life" by Sarah Edmondson. Don't call it a cult. The shocking story of Keith Raniere and the women of Nexium by Sarah Berman and the program inside the mind of Keith Raniere and the rise and fall of Nexium by Tony Natalie and Chet Hardin. I used two web articles, one, the ESP 12-point mission statement that was published by the New York Times and a critical analysis of the executive success programs incorporated by Paul Martin, PhD. Okay. You did good. Thanks. Did good. I just want to get them done and over with. They're uh-huh. so long. That's so yeah. many things. Well, did, I mean, did you add any from the last one? Actually, I think I did and I forgot to write them down, but oh. I think I put them in part three. Okay. Um... Cause I had to find just a few small filler things and stuff. And obviously the one I talked about earlier where I like just Googled the shit out of Smallville, but that was just kind of a fun little moment to mm-hmm. pass my time. So thanks guys for listening. Sorry. It's so long, but I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're here. Were you going you <laughs> to say queer? No, I was going to say hearing us, but I was oh. just pausing for dramatic emphasis. Um, I got nothing else do before I wrap things up. Nope. Okay. Thank you guys for helping make this podcast what it is. You guys are a part of the CSP family and community. We really love you guys. Big shout out to Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative every week for doing our editing. I'm not, I feel very bad because these episodes are so long and grueling for him, I bet, mm-hmm. because they are a lot longer than the normal, normal episode. And I'm sure it's taking him longer to edit through them because they're just long. So guys, tell us you love these episodes so we can tell Taylor so that Taylor doesn't feel like he's doing all this out of... <laughs> for losing his sanity for nothing. <laughs> he learned so much about Keith Raniere that he does not want to know. <laughs> so. He's also not feeling the greatest these days. So just go give him some love. Yeah, and Taylor deserves the love. He deserves the love. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, which is at CrypticSoupPod, where DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Facebook group. It's going to go away. Don't join it. We're going to do Discord. Discord's better. Go Discord. Also, you can um, follow all of our links, which can also be easily found at crypticsouppod.com as well. Any kind of Apple podcast review and ratings or Spotify ratings always help us out and they get us to feel all warm and fuzzy when we get to read them. So thank you guys if you leave one. It means a lot to us. Remember, guys, we always want to talk to you and hang out because you guys are part of what makes us us. So remember to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. And we'll remember, no, you do remember, we tell you, remember, (laughs) to join in on the conversation. We'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode if I don't fuck it up. (laughs) Stay tuned.